hopefully you enjoy being here. I'm sure I will. Mishko, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. You are the original creator of Angular and now the creator of this new framework, Quick. And I believe you work at Builder.io, is that correct? That is correct, yes. And technically, it's AngularJS was first and then Angular. So there's two frameworks in there, but <laughs> it's confusing, I know. That's right, yeah. We're really happy to have you here. We've had so many framework authors on the show already. And I know Quick is one that has been the hardest for me to kind of wrap my mind around. And I think that's because it may be the most unique and the most revolutionary in terms of what it's doing. So really excited to dig into it and talk about what it is. But be curious to hear a little bit of the background of where it came from and if that was wrapped up in your work with Builder or kind of like what was the origin of Quick itself? Yeah, yeah, those are all good questions. And you're right, it is very different. So it's kind of hard to wrap your head around. I think the origin of it came about three years ago when I was at NJConf and I gave a talk. And in the talk, I basically said, you know, like if you wanted to have a better startup performance for your web apps, we have to get better at micro fine-grained like lazy loading and what kind of things we would have to do to a framework to allow fine-grained lazy loading. And Quick is essentially the extension of that. Quick is all those learnings and all those ideas of starting with like, what would the world look like if you don't have to download all the code ahead of time and execute it all ahead of time? What would I have to change so that we could like sip on the JavaScript rather than like gulp the whole big thing at the very beginning of the application to get things going? Yeah, that's great. And that makes a lot of sense. And when I hear something like that, I know a lot of people like me will think of partial hydration. But I also know you will specifically say this is not partial hydration. This is something else entirely. So this is resumable is I know one yes. of the terms that you're using to describe this. So could you talk about what is resumable mean in this context? Yeah, I think the easiest way to understand it is, you remember when VMware came out with like VM machines, and it was just so bizarre that you could like, boot up your windows inside of a host environment, right? And then open a bunch of apps and then like save the VM and then move it to a different physical machine and then resume it and then continue exactly where they left off. So you would skip the boot up process and you would skip the opening of the applications. Like if you're in the middle of writing a document, right? And save the VM and then move it to a different physical machine and resumed it, you would be in the middle of writing that document and just continue typing. That's the mental model of resumability is that if you look at existing frameworks, what they do is they run whole bunch of code on the server and they generate HTML and then a lot of knowledge about the framework. What I mean by knowledge is information about what the components are, where they are, what are the boundaries, where the listeners are. All that knowledge is kind of thrown away. And then in the client, the framework has to redo all of this work again to recover all of this stuff. And partial hydration or lazy hydration, et cetera, are just different ways of saying like when the work needs to be done, but nobody's arguing whether the work needs to be done or not. Whereas if you go to Quick, the work fundamentally doesn't get done because on a server, we collect all this information, we serialize it into HTML, send it to the client, and the client can literally just continue, just like the VMware example, just continue where the server left off without any work being redone. And that's the key difference is there's nothing redone, right? We're not arguing about like, are we going to do it eagerly or late or together or in parts? There's just nothing to do. And that's why the word hydration doesn't fit there. And it's better to talk about it in terms of resumability. And this trick, by the way, can be done multiple times, right? Normally we go from server to the client, but there's nothing that stops you from like pausing the application again and go to a different tab or saving it to local storage and then resuming the tab later on and exactly where you left off. So there's more to it than, than just the hydration. 
now that you're describing it that way, it sounds to me a little bit more like the way I heard React server components first described, because that was about doing as much as you can on the server and then streaming it. But I think you would still end up doing some sort of hydration. So it sounds like this is like taking that model kind of to its logical conclusion in terms of like, what if we could really just get it to be completely resumable? How do you achieve that architecturally? Like, what do you do to do that exactly? Yeah, so there's two questions in there. And like we could go to the path of React server components and how it's different. Maybe we'll revisit this later. So the question is, how do you achieve it? And the answer is kind of obvious and yet very difficult. It's obvious because, well, you just have to save all of the state of the application, right? And the thing is, the reason it's hard is because there's two states, right? There's the state of the app as the developer sees it, right? If that's a to-do list, then it's like a list of my to-dos and whether or not the to-dos are done or not. So that's the way I think of it as a developer of a state of the app. And that's one thing you have to save. But if you're a framework, author, you also have a different state in mind, which mean by that is what are the components? What is the relationship between components? Where are the listeners? If this listener fires and modifies this data, like who do I have to re-render? So there's a secondary information about the component hierarchy and the things that the framework keeps track of, right? Which you don't usually think about because, well, you're an author of an app, not an author of a framework, but there is this state as well. And so what Quick knows how to do is to serialize both of these. And so it knows how to serialize the, obviously the application state, but also the framework state and not just the framework state, but also the listeners to go with. It. So at any point in time, you can call pause on a on a quick application. Everything gets serialized. And then the HTML that you have is fully describing, right? Like it fully describes the state of the app. And then you can move this HTML anywhere you want, whether it's from server to the client or from tab A to tab B, or just like temporarily save it somewhere. It doesn't matter. At some point, you're like, I want to resume it. And so you say resume. And then all of the information is there. And so you just literally just continue where you left off, right? Like you don't rerun any code. It's just there. Because like, what would you be rerunning? You already know the relationship between components. You already know what component is subscribed to which data model. All of this information is already there. So there's nothing to redo because you already have everything. Okay, that's really interesting. And just so we don't lose the thread, let's talk about the React server component stuff. And then Chris can ask some questions. Yeah, so React Server Components, I would say it's kind of a, a, it's a halfway compared to what Quick is. And the biggest difference is that in the React Server Components, you choose your component and you say like, this is a server component, this is a client component, right? And that component can never move. Like if you declare something as client, it's always going to be client and will never be on the server. And vice versa, if you declare something as server, it can never become client. And there's constraints like the server components cannot have listeners, they cannot have state, the client components can have state and listeners, but they can't be rendered on a server and, and so on and so forth. And so you, you kind of have this hybrid world of like half of the app runs on the server and then half of the app runs on the client. While you can do amazing things with it, I'm going to say that this hybrid world is actually a complication for the developer because previously the developer didn't have to think about this distinction and now they do. Now they have to understand like, oh, this is server, this is client. I can't just call in because that's a different thing. And there's all kinds of implications that make my life as a developer a little more complicated for it. So the thing with Quick is that the component starts its life on a server. So it executes on a server. On a server, it can collect data. It can do all of the things that need, needs to be done. Whether whether it is setting up listeners. And I know this is kind of bizarre that you can set up listeners on a server, but yes, in Quick, you can do that. You can set up listeners, you can set up events, everything you need to do. And then the application of the components move to the client and continue their execution on the client. And that's kind of weird, right? Like to move something over, but that's kind of how, what you get. And so the advantage of that is you don't have to have like two different mental models of like, is this a server component, is this a client component? Because it's both. The other advantage we can do is that 
Quick understands the relationship of components and when the components have to get re-rendered and so on and so forth. And because of that, Quick can recognize that like, oh, this component actually will never re-render on the client because for whatever reason, it's, you know, it, it doesn't change. And because of that, the code will never download. It's not like you start execution and then all of the code moves to the client and continue on a client. It's more like you start on the server and then you recognize that certain components just don't need to be on a client. And so when you move things to the client, you only move the pieces that actually need to be there. And so it's a form of tree shaking, but a tree shaking, not on the level of who calls who, but more on the level of like, which components needs to re-render when which data changes. And that's a very different way of thinking about it. So obviously we have the basic tree shaking, but this is a whole new different kind of tree shaking that can only exist once you re-render something on a server and say like, okay, well, this component will never change again because it's maybe a shell or maybe it's a list of comments or something like that. And so it just doesn't get shipped to the client. This is actually really, really interesting. I have been exploring multiple frameworks myself of late. I'm a very much a React developer through and through, not because I don't like any other frameworks, is that a lot of time I don't have needs to use them, if that makes sense. It's kind of like React is the tool that fits everything. And my perfect example of this is recently, in my eternal company, I've been building JavaScript SDKs, and I have a pure JavaScript SDK and a React SDK. And when you basically build them, it says the differences in the sizes, and your pure JavaScript SDK is, well, I think it was like three kilobytes or something, like tiny, but then the React was like 200, 300, 400 kilobytes, like more than quadruple the size, like 100 times the size. And then when you compare the code, it's it's that level of abstraction that you have with React that, yes, the code is a lot easier to write than pure JavaScript, but the pure JavaScript one is a lot more small and a lot more efficient at what it's doing. So with that, I've been exploring with multiple other libraries, like importing this standard JavaScript SDK into Svelte and Vue and other libraries out there. I've really been able to play around with more frameworks of late. And something that I think is really interesting is that whenever I look at a framework, it's like, what is this for? Who is this for? What's the best use case this is for? That's really my first question is when I go to pick up some like Gatsby, even though it's React centric, I think I'm going to build a, a marketing website, a blog or something that has a unified interface that I can easily build loads of pages of. What's the first thing that comes to your mind when you think of a quick website slash application? It's a great segue. So first, I'm a fan of actually React. I know it's a weird thing to say for an Angular person, <laughs> but I think React got a lot of things done correctly in their DX. The fact that a lot of people are moving towards it, I think speaks to it. So as far as DX of React, I think they got a lot of things right. When we did Quick, we actually try to mimic as much of the React as possible. And this was intentional. Quick is such a different way of thinking about what an app is that we didn't want to, on top of that, also be like, oh, well, now you have to change the way you think about building the apps. It would be much easier if if we could just say like, oh, you know React? Great. All the mental models that you know from React, they translate over to Quick rather well. If you look at a Quick app, you don't even have to squint very hard and you're going to be like, this looks just like React, right? And again, it's not a coincidence. It's a complete intention to get there. So you're now asking a slightly different question, which is like, what is the, the preferred way of using Quick, right? And I think the world is kind of split into two camps, the SPA camp and MPA camp, the single page applications and the multi-page applications. The multiple applications are really the, as you pointed out, the Gatsby's, right? Like the static site generator, right? Like you, you generate things ahead of time. But really what the difference between SPA and MPA is, is where is the router? Is the router in the JavaScript, in the client? 
then then you have yourself an SPA. Is the router on a server? Well, then you have a multi-page application. Well, the implication of that is that every time you click on something, you do a full page refresh. And therefore, you don't have an easy way of moving state from one page to the next page, right? And that's what makes an MPA kind of more favorable towards kind of static documentation websites, right? Or e-commerce websites. The movement of state is what makes SPAs a lot more favorable to like purchasing your ticket or, you know, going to check out your bank balance or things of that sort, right? And there's been this like huge, like back and forth going on in the industry about MPAs and SPAs and back and forth. And the thing with Quick is I'm looking at it from the point of view of Quick and I'm like, I don't actually see the distinction because the distinction only exists because you start the router on the server and then you have no way of moving it. But with Quick, like, why can't you start the routing on the server? Why can't the first page be an MPA page, but the subsequent pages be an SPA pages? Why can't you just like seamlessly transition from the MPA to SPA so that you don't like even have this discussion or even have to talk about it? We don't quite have the whole routing thing figured out yet. Like, We haven't figured out, we haven't implemented it yet. And, and so there's like a lot more work and there's this follow-up thing we're trying to do called Quick City, which has the routing thing in there. But the basic idea is that you should be able to start your application as an MPA and then just transition into SPA without the developer even having to think about it. If you ask me what kind of apps the Quick would excel at, it's actually both. It is both the documentation like the Gatsby generator sites but also full-on applications which require state transitions and state to be present as you go from a route to route. I think something that a lot of people forget is like how do pages actually refresh when you open your developer tools and you see, oh, it's refreshing the whole page. What does that mean? Well, that means like HTML is coming down the line, like a new whole HTML bundle is coming down the line. But then when you refresh like a SBA, it's, it's just JavaScript. It's just sending more JavaScript. And it's such a different way of looking at things that sometimes I feel when you're really new to the industry, it's actually really hard to understand the difference and the pros and cons to each and why you should pick one framework over another. I know so many people are always quick to get on a, not necessarily a band camp, but just use X because everybody uses X. But why are we seeing this whole renaissance of frameworks that are all trying to do different things better than the other ones is because X is great for the big companies, the companies that have a lot of staff, who can maintain everything. But when you want to build something really small and move really, really fast, other frameworks are starting to look like very good options. One of the biggest things that I thought that was really cool what you brought up, transition of state. Something that always comes to mind, and obviously it's quite a new thing when you're talking about the snapshot management and moving things from server to, to client, is things like Xbox Quick Resume. You know, you can close a game, turn off your Xbox, come back to the same game 30 days later and just carry on. Five years ago, Consoles couldn't do that. Games couldn't do that. But we're getting to this point where we can like virtualize games. And why can't we do that with websites? Why can't we do that with everything else? It shouldn't seem that hard in my head. Just like you just pause everything and then move it across and resume it. Like why does it need to do everything else the server did before? And one of my big questions is that is, does that mean that it heavily implies ESM usage because they now use the same bundle compilation? Ah, yeah, ESM. So uh, it gets complicated. <laughs> we actually have to build two systems. We have to run the build twice, once for the server and once for the client. There's a lot of nuance as to why that is. I don't know necessarily whether this will also apply to something like Dino because it's a lot more ESM-centric, right? But as of right now, we do actually have to build a system twice. Once CJS 
for Linode so that their server can run. And then we do another set of another build for the client. All of this is done in Rust. So it's super fast. You don't have to even think about it. It's pretty seamless. You reminded me of something and I wanted to add to it. Quick has a one more new concept that other frameworks don't really have. And I think it's relevant to routing and how Quick works. So I want to kind of jump into it. The concept we call it is containers. And the way to think about it is when you have a normal application, you have a single app on a page and that app controls everything. Quick actually has this concept of containers and what containers are essentially are smaller apps that you can have on a page. So you could have as many apps on the page as you want and the containers have a way of talking to each other, sending listeners, et cetera. But each container is a separate build. So you could have a large team of people and be like, oh, I, I am doing the settings page and like I need to my, do my own pushing, my own rollback, et cetera, whereas I am doing the landing page or something like that, right? And they're independent. Now, the reason why this matters is because imagine the routing situation. What you want in, in a router is the first time I navigate to a page, I want the server to send me nothing but HTML and no JavaScript. So you kind of get the HTML. Well, there's a teeny tiny bootstrap loader we can talk about later. But for the most part, like you get no JavaScript. So you just get HTML and your whole page shows up. And now you start interacting with the page and different parts of the page start waking up. What I mean by that is we unpause them, right? We do the resume on it. But we don't have to resume the whole page. Instead, we can resume individual islands. And these islands are called containers. And what's interesting about it is, imagine you have the one island that's on the outside and another island that's just on the inside, which are presenting kind of like in a routing, like the static thing that always is available, that menu system, right? And then the outlet is where, where you have the inner stuff. Well, when we navigate to the first page, you get both of them together. But now you want to do a route transition to a next thing. If you do a full HTML to the server, you're going to lose your state. But what you can do is you can tell, send the server a request saying like, I'm actually want to go to the second page, but I don't need the whole thing of the HTML. Just send me that little thing inside of the center. That's all I need. And then that server can respond with the HTML just for that chunk, which you can enter HTML and replace. And now you're in this situation where like the outer application has already resumed and so it has its state and the state hasn't been destroyed as you navigate it to the next page. But the inner one, which represents the outlet of the, the router, right? That one was a brand new app to download it. And so it still has to resume because you have to start interacting with it. But by breaking this thing up like that, you get into like this nice situation of like, you get to decide like, what's more efficient? Is it more efficient to download the code and then execute it all? Or is it more efficient to just download the resulting HTML and then resume where the HTML left off? Because it's not just asking a question of like, is it cheaper to execute here or on a server? Because server can cheat. Server can produce using CDN can just cache the whole thing. And so you are sending a request to the server so it looks like the server is doing work, but server is just responding with a CDN response saying like, yep, here's what you need. You can keep going. I'm not sure if that makes sense, but it is a kind of a different way of looking at it. Yeah, that does make sense. A massive inspiration for Quick seems to be Builder.io, the company that you work for. How does Builder.io come into Quick? Was Builder.io built with Quick in mind or was it a chicken and an egg problem? What came first, the product or the framework? The product definitely came first. Let's do a little overview of what Builder.io is, and then we can see how it all fits in. So you have a problem, which is that you're building a site and you're an engineer and the creative folks or the marketing folks always come in and they say like, you know what, we're going to have a sale or I want you to change this thing on a homepage or whatever, right? As an engineer, you're like, you want to create stuff? 
you don't want to like constantly tinker with like, oh, now the sale is different. This changes, this changes, right? And there's a lot of content management systems out there that allow you to basically set up kind of levers for the marketing forks that they can play with. And then you as an engineer don't have to go and update this stuff. Oh, you want to change the, the, the sale percentage? Let me give you a lever and you, you know, you can do whatever you want with it. And then I don't have to be bothered. The problem is that these levers get continuously more and more complicated, right? Like, oh, you give me a lever to change the, the sales. Great. But now I have two sales going on. I need a different set of levers, right? Like if the engineer designs it for like the idea of only one sale at a time, and now the marketing says, I will have two concurrent sales. Like the engineer is like, ah, I have to redesign it and move things around. What you discover is that over time, the kinds of levers that you, you give to the marketing, it gets just more and more complicated. And in the extreme, eventually you end up with a schema that is so complicated that it's essentially HTML. You just basically say like, you just do whatever you want. What Builder IO is, is at first it may look like a CMS system, but actually it's a drag and drop editor that the engineer can embed into their website. And the idea is that marketing wants to change like the homepage or the, the banner page on the top or the hero image or something like that. Instead of engineering always just changing it, say like, you know what, how about I just give you an editor and you could do whatever else, whatever you want to do inside of the box, you can do you know, you just knock yourself out. Now, the place where it gets super interesting is that the engineers essentially are giving a sandbox to the marketing people saying like, you can do whatever you want in here. But the engineering can also say like, ah, I'm going to register a set of components there. So if the marketing says like, I want to show you a, you know, shoes A and shoes B, I don't want to recreate the product card for shoe A and shoe B. Instead, I just want to use a component that already exists in the back end, right? Because presumably this component has hovering and clicking and rotation of the shoes or whatever, right? So you can register components with the system and then the marketing can just drag and drop them and the data bind to them, et cetera. So in other words, you really are just giving the marketing a full on editor to your code base that they can do. And so that's why it's not really a CMS system. It's something completely different, but it's extremely powerful because at this point, the marketing decides like, I want to run two concurrent sales, not a problem. You know, you own the box, like you can create a two concurrent sales for you. And as an engineering team, I don't have to do anything special or extra. And so now they can do A-B testing, concurrency, and so on and so forth. Okay, so now how does Quick fit into this? Customers have existing frameworks. So they either have a React stack or Next.js or Gatsby or Jamstack or Swaltkit, like whatever they happen to be using, right? And we know how to interface with all of them so that all this thing works. But the thing that we discovered is that people are always worried that, you know, incorporating something technology like this will make their site slower. While we don't necessarily make your site slower because we, on the end of the day, generate the source code that runs in it, so it's no different than you actually writing it yourself. The problem is the existing sites are kind of already slow. Like if you look at the, the market and if you like randomly look at Nike or Amazon or whatever, you're going to discover that just about everybody is in the red on Google Paid Speed score, right? Some companies that have money can afford to be in the yellow like Amazon. Nobody's in the green. No production website is in the green. Like it's just not a thing. Like it just doesn't exist. You could say like, well, the engineers are just idiots. They don't know what they're doing, right? That's easy to say, but then presumably you're saying like, great, but some other engineers are not and they know how to do it. But if it doesn't exist in the wild, if a perfectly performant website doesn't exist in the wild, then it's probably not the engineer's fault. If you had sites that, that were fast and sites that were slow, then you could say like, oh yeah, the slow sites, clearly somebody messed up. But if like everybody's slow, then it's a systemic problem. It's not a problem of an individual team. Our premise is that like actually the frameworks they were not designed for this and they are the ones who are leading you down a particular path that ends up being slow. 
What we want is we want to go to our customers and say like, you know what? We have this unbelievably fast way of doing e-commerce. Not only can you like fully customize everything you want on a web page, but you're going to be actually faster than everybody else. This is where Quick and PartyTown comes in. So PartyTown for third-party code and then Quick basically can do first-party code and make it super fast because it's resumable, right? So the amount of code that you actually put in there becomes faster. And so the more... You know, you, you start with a small box on your website saying like, you know, marketing can own this. And then you realize, oh, that box made the site go faster. And so now you make the site bigger and bigger and bigger that are the sandbox. And as you make this sandbox bigger, your performance of the site is actually increasing because that particular box can do reasonability. And so this is the angle that a builder is taking with respect to Quick. And also the reason why Quick is looking into ways to be able to know how to interface with React. So if you have a React website, we can add quick for the orchestration, but you don't have to rewrite everything over so that there could be a bridge between the two. Uh, does that answer the question or is it too deep? That perfectly answers the question. I do want to quickly talk about Party Town as well, because this is also something that I've experimented with myself, gave it a look at. And I've had websites in the green in production. It's only when you start introducing all the marketing scripts that the marketing teams want is when it gets tanked down from green to yellow to red because you know you need your facebook pixel your google tag manager your a b test your pop-up widget your 20 different tools and it's like just stick another one on the website and stick another one and stick another one it's like we've got this new tool Uh, it's referral program stick the sdk onto the website and it just keeps building and building and building and something needs to manage all them keep them all in check and make sure that they don't necessarily stop the work at the main thread. And I think this is actually a really important thing because you then put all these scripts onto the website, you run your your lighthouse score, and then literally the top 10 errors are like, I have no control of that. I can't do anything there. Oh, it says load this script in a different format. How? I'm pulling it off their website. And that's not even speaking about version control of these scripts. Most companies don't even version control their scripts. They're like, we just host it under M dot website go get it the world is completely in this area of web scripts i've been learning a lot about it it's just like wild west and umd script bundler needs to just get out i hate umd it's the worst but i noticed on the the party town pages it mentions quick is party town actually built with quick Uh, no those are two separate things but if you pop up a level higher right again like Builder has customers that are e-commerce websites, right? For e-commerce websites, uh, speed of, you know, how fast can I go and show you the shoe so that you can push a uh, purchase button is what will determine a lot of ways your conversion rate. And so the faster, the better. And so what Builder is, is just we're trying to figure out how to make this thing go as fast as possible, right? And as you point out, there are two problems, right? One problem is the framework you're using that wasn't really designed for this. And we can go talk about hydration all that stuff, why it's kind of difficult. And the other problem is the third-party scripts, right? And you need to solve both. So what I find super fascinating is, let's say you make a blank page. There's nothing on it. Or of course, it gets 100 out of 100 on the Google page speed, right? And then you add Google Analytics. Well, you're still going to have 100 out of 100, but you're kind of on a precipice now because the Google Analytics by itself essentially ate all of the allotted time you have for bringing your page up, right? So now you add Facebook Pixel. Well, now the two of them together got you over, right? So no site alone, like no content, just adding these third-party scripts alone will get you off of 100 out of 100 by themselves, right? 
And this is why Builder cares about this because like this goes down to our bottom line, which is like we want to have a product for our customers that they can be super successful and, and speed is a key thing to it. Party Town basically says, let's offload everything we can off of the main thread. Or rather to, to kind of step back is due to the way JavaScript was designed, JavaScript is single threaded. So we're in the world where CPU speeds have kind of stalled. And what I mean by that is like CPUs are getting faster, but not by increasing the clock or not by doing more per each clock cycle. The way we're getting faster is we're getting faster because we keep adding more and more cores to the system. So now we are adding, going faster through parallelism, right? We kind of maxed out of what we can do on a single core, but that doesn't help JavaScript because JavaScript by design is single threaded. What do you do, right? Like, how do you offload things? All these scripts need to get a hold of this thread. And so what PartyTown is just the way of getting these scripts on a separate thread so that they can execute on a different CPU on different core and don't hog up the main thread. Now, not only is it on a separate thread, even if it isn't, we can slow them down so they don't execute all at once. We can like, you know, you'd say like, yeah, yeah, you will get to you eventually. There's no reason why Google page speed needs to be the first thing loaded, right? I think it's more important to get the page up and running so that the user can be interactive. and then then download and run the Google Analytics or the Facebook script or something of that sort. What PartyTown does is this particular thing. It just moves it over to the web worker. Now, this is not a new idea. Everybody has thought of this. Why is PartyTown special? Well, because nobody actually knows how to do this, right? Like the idea is simple, like move things over to the web worker. What you discover very quickly is that all these scripts need to have access to the DOM. They need to read your cookies. They need to set up listeners, do all kinds of things. Because they're in a separate thread, they don't have access to it. Now you can say like, no problem. I can build a proxy and the proxy can communicate between the two sides, except that the APIs for the communication are asynchronous. And so the code isn't written with this in mind, right? When Google says, what is the title of the page of the Google Tag Manager, right? It expects synchronously to have the answer to that question. If it's running on a web worker and sends a message to the main page saying like, what's the title? And a uh, main page responds with, you know, this is the title. This is done through asynchronous communication. And this asynchronous communication means that it is not compatible with the way the Google Tag Manager was written. And so the whole trick of PartyTown is that Adam Bradley has figured out a way to make that call in a synchronous fashion. How in the world in a synchronous fashion? Well, there's a lot of hackery. Uh, turns out there are two ways of doing it. Um, there's something called Atomics. They're not quite ready. So th they don't quite work the way you want them to work, but like uh, that's the, the preferred way. And the, the hacky way we have is by exploiting the fact that XHR has a synchronous way of making XHR. I have no idea why I put it in there. It seems like a horrible idea, but we get to exploit it. And so using XHR, we can make a request, block the thread on the party town, figure out you know, what the, the party town is asking for. So in this case, let's say it's a, it's a title of the page, send it across and then continue execution so that from the point of view of the party town script, it looked synchronous. And that's the magical part. So we can do that. We can basically take all the scripts and move them over. And if we have done that, we see pretty consistently that you can get about 20 points on page speed just by doing this. So it's a pretty big deal. Yeah, and we've seen, I believe it's in beta with it being included into Next.js. I saw that there was a pull request for the WordPress performance. And this is something that we over in JavaScript land tend to forget that there's a lot of websites out there that if they could just install a plugin to get 20% better page speeds would save like 
so much energy in the world, so much like bandwidth of everything. So it's a really good cause. My other question is going back to quick, something you said in the beginning that I've been pondering on for a moment is that you said that the APIs are very reminiscent of React. So does this kind of make it an alternative to Preact? And how is this different to Preact if Preact is a cut down version of React? It is similar. It is not the same. The basic kind of a gotcha is that when you have a resumable system, right, when you can serialize everything into HTML, you can't serialize everything. You, you, there's only certain things you can serialize, like clearly strings, numbers, etc. serialize well. Maybe you can serialize objects, but can you serialize a promise? No. And so there are certain things you'll just never, ever be able to serialize. Now, what that means in practice is that let's say you have a use state API in React and you push a promise into the use state. You can, right? Nothing stops you. But like, there's no way that this could ever work, right? Because like, what does it mean to take, to have a promise on a server and then move it to the client? It just makes no sense, right? So the thing is, while the API looks very, very similar, it is not exactly the same. And the, the developer has to participate. Like you can't just like take any web page where like anything goes, you, you, you put any state you want into the system. And now the system says like, actually, there are constraints which you can and cannot do. I think it is unlikely that we will ever be able to take a pure on React application and then move it over and then just have it run without any sort of changes. But it is pretty close. The other thing that Quick does, which is kind of different, is that frameworks normally say, I am responsible for rendering. Bundling is not my problem. Uh, lazy loading is not my problem, and so on and so forth. Quick actually goes a step further and says, no, not just rendering is my problem, but the bundles are my problem too. And the reason why this matters is because if you want fine-grained lazy loading, you need to have lots of entry points into your system. If all you have is a single entry point to your system, that doesn't really help with lazy loading, right? Like if the main entry point to your system is, you know, hydrate the app or like start at the root component and do all the stuff that you need to do, this will never lazy load. You need a framework that also helps with creating entry points because the bundlers can do their job of creating lots of bundles, but they all require lazy uh, entry points. And if you don't have entry points, nothing goes. Quick is actually two parts. One is the runtime. And the second one is this thing called, we call the optimizer. And what the optimizer does is it rearranges the code such that you have a lot more entry points. And specifically in the Quick world, Every single component is an entry point and every single listener inside of the component is an entry point and every single like use event or watch or use effect is an entry point. And so as you are writing your application, you don't think about it. You just kind of write your API the way you would normally do, but you're actually creating lots and lots of entry points for the system. And these entry points is what allows the bundlers then to have this property so that the system can say like, oh, this component doesn't have any listeners. It's a static component. It will never re-render on the client. How do I not include it? Well, you not include it because the bundling system already knew how to cut it out. In a normal React world, like let's say you have a top-level component that is static, because you have a bootstrap that says like hydrate starting at the root, the root and everything below it, it has to come along, right? Like there's no way to just be like, oh yeah, these three over here don't matter. It's only the children that matter. Like there's no way to do that. So the kind of the, the mental model shift here is that Click's job is not just to be the runtime and the DX, but also to think about the server and think about the bundling and think about how do you like make all these things happen. And this is why it's so hard to talk about quick because people are like, oh, well, I know React, Angular and Svelte and Vue or whatever. And they're all fundamentally the same in the sense of like the envelope of what they care about. And so because the envelope is the same, you're like, oh, the DX changes. It's a different way of doing the same thing. It's like, no, 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 no. Yes, the envelope you're used to is about the same and it's probably the closest thing to the React, 
But really, you need to step back a few steps and be like, not just don't just think about the DX of building it, but like also think about how do you like bundle it and put it together and figuring out which part needs to be downloaded first and which part needs to be downloaded later. All of that stuff together is the thing that now Quick is. It's a different thing. And the client-side rendering is just one part of the whole thing. Yes. I guess my last really big question about Quick is where is it today and what is the future? Is it going to be just a framework as in the React or will it expand to be the next that obviously includes all the other kind of things around it? We've spoke about obviously all the things Quick can do really, really well, but how can that also influence other frameworks? And would you like to see some of Quick's features shamelessly ripped off in other frameworks? Uh, what is it? Copying is the best form of flattery or something? Something like that. I, I, I butchered it. I think Quick is very, very different. And not, not just it's a different, it like solves a particular need, right? If you're an e-commerce website, you want to be faster because that is huge amount of revenue that you're foregoing and you're putting pressure on your engineers, but your engineers are like, oh, this is the best we can do. Like, we don't know how to make it faster because our frameworks are not helping along the line. And so we are in a situation where like everybody's website sucks equally bad. And so it's a stalemate. Now imagine Quick comes into scene and Quick says, actually, uh, if you build a website with Quick, it's about the same amount of work, but you could pretty much get 100 out of 100 without much of an effort. Like it's a huge thing and it will change because from a business point of view, if your competition is building using Quick and you're not, they're getting fast scores and you're not. And then Google's search engine optimization says like, if I have two companies both selling shoes and everything else the same about them, I'm going to serve up the one that has a higher page speed rank because like that's going to be a better experience for the end user, right? So now you have huge incentive on the uh, business side of things to be like, yo, we need to get our site speed go up. We are in a stalemate because nobody knows how to make it faster. The moment somebody can break through the barrier and figure out like how to make it fast, all of a sudden you have a competition going on, right? Where you like try to figure out how to get there. This is the thing that I'm really hoping Quick will spark. Now, will other frameworks be able to do this as well? I don't want to speak for other frameworks. I don't know what they can and cannot do. But my opinion is it is not something you can bolt on after the fact. My opinion is that if you wanted to get reasonability into existing frameworks, you will create such huge breaking changes that you will, for all practical purposes, create a brand new framework. And because you're going to be creating a brand new framework, right, it's going to be a hard sell to do that, right? Because all of a sudden the ecosystem doesn't come along and so on and so forth. While I would love for others to go and shamelessly steal whatever Quick is doing, I don't think it's going to be as simple as people think. And I love watching Twitter because people are like, oh yeah, we'll add that feature next quarter. I'm like, no, you're not. You haven't thought about it. What are the implications of this particular thing? Because it is not as simple as you think. But anyways, yes, I would love them to all get there. I feel like there was one more question that I forgot to answer. The other part of the question was, where does Quick end and potentially another framework can bolt on? Almost like React and Next. Ah, yes. So we are actually looking into this uh, right now. So Quick is kind of like React in that sense, like that's a good comparison. But again, the difference is that Quick worries about the server-side rendering, uh, the bundling, and all the other bits of pieces that you know React basically says, this is not our area of concern. But you still have the problem of routing, right? And this is the routing we kind of talked about, like what we can have. So if you look at something like Next, that's on top of it, and most other frameworks have something similar, I think Quick will have something similar as well. We, uh, we're affectionately calling it right now the Quick City. 
And it is this idea of having a framework and a renderer and a specifically the router where you start as an MPA application and seamlessly transition into an SPA without the developer having to do anything, right? The idea is the developer writes their code as they've always have, nothing special about that. And yet the emergent property of the system is that they're going to end up in the world where they start as an NPA app and immediately transition to an SPA. What that really means is that they start as an NPA and when they transition to a separate route, they get to keep their state. They don't get to blow away the state that they had. And that's really what it comes down to. And that means also they can do transitions and animations and all the other stuff with it. So yeah, Quick City is the, is the next thing to work on. We uh, It's already checked in. It's not yet made public, but it is the thing that drives our homepage for Quick. It doesn't yet do the SPA transition, but it's the next thing on our list. And containers are kind of the magical part on how they'll hold the pieces come together. So I noticed you also have some starters. Do you think those would be good for someone who's totally new to the framework to kind of get going? Or would you point them to like kind of read the docs first? Like what's a good kind of entry point? No, I think the starters are the perfect place. Um, the starters are the place to start and then go check out the getting started documentation, et cetera, and then go from there. I don't have any more questions right now. I'm sure Anthony has loads and he could talk about the past all day as well. <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought that was I thought that was really good. It's like you have such a awesome perspective on the the whole history of web. It's been really cool talking about these ideas because it's a lot like when we have people like Ryan or Dylan on, where they've been like in the guts of like the APIs and the the browser and the frameworks and the applications and how all that fits together. And so I think this is really exciting. I'll be curious. Do you know anyone who's created like a full stack project with it, like with a database? It is something we're working on. No, with Quick, uh, we are still very much in the early phases. But we do have, a, for example, the Builder IO website is served by Quick, and it is one of the places where you can demonstrate, like, hey, you know, before we the best we could do was sixty out of a hundred. Now we can do hundred out of hundred on this particular homepage. And this is a real homepage, right, with analytics, intercom, HubSpot, and all the other good stuff that that you need for having a real site. But yeah, all of the other pieces are coming. Not there yet. Awesome. And then are you doing like community building efforts around it as well? Yeah, we have a Discord. I'm going on, on a tour actually uh, this summer uh, to lots of different conferences. We're going to be talking about that. The main thing I want to do is really build up awareness that the way we are building sites isn't working. And there are better ways. And not only is it not working, we are in this really strange world where when the site is slow, we blame the developer even though they had so little choice in this, right? Like they had to use these third-party scripts. They had to use these particular frameworks and so on and so forth. And really the only thing they got to do was put in the content and yet now it's slow and it's their fault and there's nothing they can do about it. My other favorite thing is you go to Google PageSpeed and you fit your site and the website says, you know, download less JavaScript. I'm like, gee, thanks. You know, like that's great advice, but like what exactly am I supposed to do to download less JavaScript, right? All these frameworks require, eagerly require JavaScript to be present. Third-party scripts require JavaScript to be present. Like we all know what the problem is and yet we have no way of like influencing this. And it's not only that, we'll be putting a lot of web agencies out of business, no longer being able, I can beat the previous agency's page scores. Well, that, that would be a good problem to have, right? A very good problem for sure. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to let our listeners know before you sign off and then let us know kind of where your socials are as well? 
I think that's it. M. Heavery on Twitter. Quick Dev is the social handle from Twitter for the Quick Project. Builder.io is the website where uh, we create the cool way of doing content management that really empowers the marketing people so that the developers can focus on like the cool bits of like making the actual interesting sites rather than like endless A-B testing and changing of your sales and so on and so forth. And here's a teaser for likely a future episode. Your company has built another framework, is that correct? Called Mitosis? Oh yeah, Mitosis is the, right. So the Mitosis is the secret sauce, how we generate the uh, the editor for all of the frameworks. Because if you're using React, we have to give you a React component. If you're using Angular, we have to give you Angular component. If you're using Svelte, we have to give you a Svelte component or Quick, right? And so that would be completely uh, unfeasible for us to write all of these things by hand. And so instead we have Mitosis where we get to write the components once and they get generated for all the different platforms, which is kind of mind blowing. We basically have every single framework is supported by it. And that's just how we, as I said, how we can interact with our customer. Our customers can do any framework they want and we can just interface with them. That very much seems like a dream. As I said, building your own SDK, if that's something you've never done, it is interesting when you have to start thinking about how X plays with Y. Like 95% of the time, your React SDK is going to be a lot different to your standard JavaScript SDK. And that's just today. If you want to build components out in their native framework of choice, like a model in Vue, it's completely different to a model in, in React. So something that could actually bridge the gap and you just write it once and it runs everywhere, that would be very exciting for sure. It's not that it runs everywhere, right? It's that it generates the code for the other place, right? So it's not like a least common denominator thing. It's, it's the actual code that you would write us by hand. Well, thanks so much, Mishko. Really appreciate having you here. Hopefully we'll get a chance to talk again. Thanks for having me anytime.